Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. What is he talking about? James and Peter are talking about our attitude when we're in the trial. Both Peter, Peter had been in many, he'd been jailed, beaten, all kinds of stuff. James understood. Both had learned that God was in control of every aspect of their life. No one in their right mind asks for trouble. We tend to do whatever we can to avoid hassles in our lives. One of the great things about the Bible is that it deals with reality. James didn't say if about trials. He said when. That is what happens in life. Everyone has troubles. Pastor Mark is using Peter's first letter to teach us God's perspectives on what to do and more importantly, what our attitude should be when hard times come. Even though it can be very difficult to find our way to embracing God's viewpoint, on our very real problems, there is a level of peace waiting for us when we get there. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in 1 Peter chapter 1 with part 3 of his message, Every Christ Follower Has a Living Hope. Lord, let us hear your lessons for When you became a Christian, the first thing you did is you asked God to forgive you of your sins, which some of you will do today. You accepted God by faith. And that was the first step. There's actually three steps to salvation. Let me show you. You can get this in your notes later so you don't have to waste your time copying it. Number one, the event of salvation. It's called justification. When I ask God to forgive me of my sins, does he? How many? All of them. And what does it mean he he forgives me? He Forgets them as far as the east is from the west. They're gone. That's called justification means as if I never sinned. That's why we say to you, when you become a Christian, you get a brand new start. The slate is clean. Nobody can do that but God. And that means that I'm saved from the penalty of sin when I become a Christian. What is the penalty of sin? It's separation from God forever. I'm saved from that. I no longer am separated from God because God lives in me. So that's event one. Most Christians think that's where it stops. That is not where it stops at all. Let me just remind you of something. When Jesus came, he would say to people as they were coming to Christ, follow, come on, me, follow me. A lifestyle. Many Christians go, well, I don't need to follow. I ask God to forgive me and he forgave me and I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. Now, that's step number one, but there's more to it. Here we go. Step number two, the process of salvation is sanctification. We'll talk more about that. That just means set apart, 
holy for God, to become like Jesus. Notice, we are being saved from the power of sin. Now, you say, well, Pastor Mark, why do I need to be saved from the power of sin? Well, let me ask you a question. Since you became a Christian, have you ever sinned? I didn't say just today. Would few like to stand and tell me what you sinned today? Or maybe the wife would like to stand and tell us what that was. No, every Christian still sins. Well, if I'm becoming like Christ and I'm allowing the Holy Spirit through his power, Romans 6, 7, and 8, to help me, he, the Holy Spirit goes, mm-mm, mm-mm. that's warning me. Don't go there. Are you glad for that? I'm glad for that. But how come sometimes I go there? Because I want to go there. But he can come and say, mm-hmm. you remember what happened last night? Oh, yes, sir. Thank you. No way. I'm not going there. So I'm saved, not by my power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, I'll empower you to say, listen, no to temptation. That's hard. Because temptation comes all the time. So that's the second step. Number three, the completion of salvation. It's called glorification. We will be saved from the presence of sin. Where will we finally be where there's no more sin? In heaven. Could I hear hallelujah? Because <laughs> I'll never be what? Tempted again. And I'll never sin again. Why? Because I became perfect. No, because you live in a perfect place. And it's called heaven. So remember, past. I'm saved from my past. I'm struggling right now with God's strength. I'm getting over the power of sin. He still wants me to fail. And in the future... There's my what? That's my inheritance. I'll be in heaven. There'll be no more sin. Everything will be perfect. So he's writing that to these Christians. Remember this verse? Being confident of this. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I want you to turn to your neighbor and smile and say this. God's going to finish what he started in me. Come on, just tell him. God's going to finish what he started in me. Now, who's going to finish it? Yeah, not you and me. I have to work with him. He will finish it. I'm preaching good. That should be many a man's right there. Come on. This is the truth. This is the truth. I don't have to worry about the finish line. I'm going there. And God's going to help me. Now, look at this. You won't like this verse. I just tell you that up front. You won't like it because of the last word in the verse. In all this, remember who he's writing to, you greatly rejoice, though now, circle these words, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So Peter is addressing what we know in our world. We know there's spiritual battles everywhere. Peter learned from Jesus. Jesus said this in John 16, 33. I told you these things that in me, you will have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Another time, Jesus said this. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Well, I don't like to hear that, but that's exactly You understand this next statement. All of us understand it. Every single person faces all kinds of trials. 
every single person, physical, spiritual, social, by that I mean relationships, marriage, family, kids, work, and mental. Depression, discouragement, throw in the towel, forget it. I'm just not interested anymore. We all face those trials. But notice what Peter says. This is hard. I haven't got there yet. Peter says, to be glad and rejoice when trials come. That's strange. But I'll show you the reason. But Peter isn't the only one that mentions that. James, who is the half-brother of Jesus. Remember, James lived with Jesus. And he didn't believe in Jesus at all until after the resurrection. Can you imagine? He he would say to Jesus, yeah, you're God. Mm -hmm, Sure. You sleep in the same room with me for crying out loud. You are not God. But after the resurrection, he became a leader in the church of Jerusalem. But notice what James says. I'll read it to you. James 1, 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. What is he talking about? James and Peter are talking about our attitude when we're in the trial. Both Peter, Peter had been in many. He'd been jailed, beaten, all kinds of stuff. James understood. Both had learned that God was in control of every aspect of their life. Now notice that Peter uses a strange word. A little while. How can a trial be a little while? Well, the trials that we go through, the difficulties we go through, the sicknesses and divorce and a million other things that we go get laid off from, those trials are little only when compared to eternity. It's not little now. It's big to us now. But he's trying to say to these people, I'm trying to say to you, as I speak to myself, that when we go through these things, in relationship to living in heaven forever, this is a little time. Joy comes in the morning. Now, if you've ever quoted that verse, I used to say to God, it's been a lot of mornings. It ain't here yet. When is it coming? It's coming. It's coming. God knows how to do that. So, When you and I are in this, just like these people, of course, not the intensity that they're going through. Let me read you Psalm 90. Seventy years are given to us. This last week, I turned 74. Now, listen, I'm four years past this. I could drop dead right here. But then it says this. Some even live to be 80. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll say, my wife's praying for 74. She wants that inheritance, see? I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. No matter how we live, listen to the rest of this verse. But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. I'm not just speaking to people who don't understand what I'm saying. Are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. This is the lesson. God teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Here's what I want you to write. This is the takeaway from Peter and James and the verse I just read to you. In our trials, no matter what they are, I can still have joy. What is joy? It's a peaceful confidence that unless I've sinned, 
Now, if I sin and I'm in trouble in a trial, well, God will forgive me, but what I sow, I reap. That's your problem. That's my problem. But if God's allowed this, which he did for those people to come into their life, I have the confidence that God will work out everything for his good. Eventually, I'll look back and go, okay, I got it. I didn't get it then, but I got it now. And that everything for good comes from Roman 8, 28 and 29. Everything good means I'm being conformed to Christ. Now, look at verse 7. These trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So he's saying this. What's being tested through the trial is your faith. I'm talking to people this morning. You're in a fire of testing this morning. I don't know what it is. You know what it is. And Peter says, our trials and our faith are directly connected. God has a purpose as he's running us through this. Now, what is faith? Look at this definition. It's complete confidence that God will do what he said. He will get me through that fiery trial. Peter says that these trials show whether my faith is real. Is it real? Is it genuine? You know this, that faith is just like a muscle. And it must be exercised or it will atrophy. So God designed our lives to have some tests and ventures of faith. Personally, I don't care for these. I have a Schwinn Airdyne that I exercise, which I like. I'm not a weight guy because half the time the weights are heavier than me. But when I'm going through a trial, what does the fire do to the gold? Purifies it. Gets rid of the crud. Most of us don't go to a gymnasium, but a lot of you do. But you don't realize every single one of us is in a gymnasium. You know what the gymnasium is? Life. Every day, I'm exercising. If I don't exercise, I get flabby. Those of you that are laughing the most, it it hit home. (laughs) Now, as we walk through this, as we walk through this, what do I have to do? This is the one that helps you there, baby. I, by the way, I, as you could tell, I do not have that problem. I can't put weight on. Here we go. This is the one you work, okay? But I don't like this. But God says what? Just keep faith. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. It's going to be okay. It's okay. I'm growing your maturity. Just keep the faith. And I want to say that to you that are hurting this morning. Keep the faith. Just let them exercise you. Because it's not exercising you. It's exercising your faith. Your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, as we walk through this, there's something very interesting. Hebrews 11.6 says this. God is only pleased with faith. I can't please God without faith. Well, this you should understand. Faith that isn't tested can't be trusted. God, don't send those things to me. I'm fine. I'm my, I'm my maturity's fine. Hey, that ain't going to happen. That's the way we grow. Now, in the old days, we had a great song. Most of you won't remember it. Some of you will remember it. It was called Through It All. 
Let me read you some verses. I had many tears and sorrows. I had questions for tomorrow. There's been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation. That my trials come to only make me strong. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all. See, if I'm not in the testing, my faith won't trust God. Notice that song doesn't say throw in the towel. It says through it all. Just keep in it. Keep the faith. Keep it going. Keep it going in your life. Now, interesting to me, look at verse 8. Though you, he's talking to the people that are suffering. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Now, Peter is the one who lived with Jesus for three years. But he knows that every single one of those believers that he's talking to have never seen Jesus, but they still believed in him. They still had faith in him. And Jesus taught Peter this principle. Remember, right after the resurrection, which the disciples didn't believe, Jesus appeared to the disciples that evening. The problem was Thomas wasn't there. And they later went to Thomas. Thomas, you missed the greatest night of all. Jesus came and he says, I don't believe he's risen from the dead unless I see him personally. The next week, Jesus came. Thomas changed his attitude. He didn't ask to touch the side. He didn't want to look at the hands. He just said, Lord and master. Look what Jesus said. And this is for you and me today. Jesus said this to Thomas. Jesus told him, Because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Every single person I'm talking to that's a Christian, that's you. Blessed are you today because you had faith in God and in Jesus and the Holy Spirit and salvation in the Bible. But you've never seen one of them yet. Congratulations. That's what he's writing to these people. He said, I lived with them. You haven't. Wow, are you blessed because you've taken that step of faith. You know what the step of faith is? What you see there, it's actually the definition of faith. Look on the overhead. Hebrews 11.1. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for, but and certain of what we do not see. We walk by faith, not by sight. Is that hard? It's very hard. It's really hard if you're going through persecution. Really hard. And so when we see that, we understand exactly what Peter's trying to say to us. Now look at verse 9. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. In other words, as you're going through this and you're exercising your faith, you see the fruit of your faith. It is real. A lot of people say they're Christians. But they don't last. They never move on to any other stages. And what was supposedly faith in Jesus ended up to be, well, here's the way the world says. You show me, prove it to me, then I'll believe. God says, no, you believe and I'll prove it to you. That's totally different. So Peter says right here, well, you haven't seen him, 
but you're exercising and you're going through those difficult things, your faith is showing fruit, your salvation. It's absolutely secure, the salvation of your souls. Look at verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. Look at verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. Look at me. I'll explain it very simply to you. What Peter is saying is this. In the Old Testament, God came with hundreds of prophecies about the coming Messiah. They're all through the Old Testament. But the people that were the prophets, and they were writing down what God told them. Remember, many of the prophecies were about him suffering and be alone. He would be in in a prison cell alone, and all his friends would leave him. Did that happen? Every disciple left him. And all those things that they were writing, they never got to see the proof of that. Peter did. You and I didn't see the proof of it, but we have it in the New Testament. Also, as they were writing, they were looking for the time. When would the Messiah come? They believed it, but they didn't really understand it. When will that Messiah? Why wouldn't they understand it? Because we don't understand it. The Messiah would be fully God and fully man. Doesn't make any sense to it. So they're writing this, but I just read to you, their writing was not for them. It was for those who would be saved in the New Testament. What they were writing in the Old Testament was for you and for me. We are blessed because we have the whole gamut. Do you know why we study the Old Testament and the New Testament? Because all scripture is inspired. See, when they would write, they go, remember Daniel wrote all these things. And he went, what is that? Daniel, this was not written for you. This is written for people in the future. That's you and that's me. Are we blessed this morning? See, someone presented the gospel to us. They didn't understand the gospel at all. We did. They were saved by looking in faith to the Messiah that would come. We're saved this morning and New Testament believers by looking back to the cross what Jesus has already done. We understand it. They didn't understand it. How could they? But they still had faith, believe, because they didn't walk by sight, but by faith. Now, when you see that, that's huge. It just reminds us today, by the way, that's why we study the Old Testament. That revelation proved to be true. The people that the Apostle Paul was writing to in his first epistle were going through things we hear about today. Persecutions, exile, and being killed just for being Christians. Pastor Mark is teaching us about how Peter told these believers that it's possible to survive these experiences because their ultimate hope isn't on this earth, it's in heaven. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. 
We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Although talking about the reality that everyone will go through troubles isn't what we'd call fun, there is a degree of comfort knowing that when we have hard times, we're not the only ones that have experienced them. Pastor Mark has conveyed the truth the Bible has given us. God has promised to be with us. and He will carry us through the storms in our lives. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.